Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 14, the Season 4 finale, Goodbye Toby. In this episode, Michael has a good day. Ryan has a bad day, and someone in the office pops the question. This episode's cold open is kind of lame. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's a version of something that they've done in this show before. Sure. So, basically, Jim has a Bluetooth headset, which at this point is probably brand new. Yeah, that's true. Um, And he programs it to answer Dwight's cell phone. Dwight gets upset about this, obviously, because Jim has hijacked his phone. And in response, Dwight programs his cell phone to forward to his desk phone, which we find out that Jim has programmed the Dwight's desk phone to forward to his desk phone. So just phone hijinks, pretty much. We open this episode with Michael just being on cloud nine. He has shown up to the office early. He is doing like calisthenics. He's doing... uh, He's doing the grapevine. Karaoke is is what we called it in track. Yeah, Yeah, grapevine, karaoke, whatever. He is just getting ready for what he calls pretty much the day he has been looking forward to for years... And that is because Toby is leaving. The party planning committee is hard at work planning Toby's going away party. Though, as Angela says, all they have at that point is a buttercream cake and a slideshow that only features two photos of Toby. And Michael is disappointed, obviously. He always wants an over-the-top party. And he comes in demanding essentially like a New Orleans funeral. He wants this celebration because for him, as Curtis said, this is a really big day. He has some extra money he's been saving up and he gives it to Angela and says, I knew you were going to say that, you know, couldn't be done. There's just no money in the budget, but here's more. I want an anti-gravity machine. I want this to be big. Angela says she's not comfortable with that and she refuses to participate. So Michael hands the reins over to Phyllis and says, Phyllis, can you do this? And Phyllis is just over the moon ecstatic in this moment. And she like dramatically whispers like, yes, I can do this. And really takes on this party planning with with gusto. It is not long after this that we see someone new enter the office. And it is Toby's replacement. And we learn that her name is Holly. And part of Toby's last day is to train his replacement. And he points out that the company gives him one day to pretty much lay out the entire landscape of HR in Dunder Mifflin. Which shows you either the company is ill-prepared or that there really isn't that much to go over. Michael's initial reaction is to instantly hate Holly because she is part of HR. And as he says, 
all HR representatives are monsters, and he's had such an adversarial relationship, primarily of his own making, but with Toby. Dwight is in Michael's office, and they're sort of surveying Holly from afar as Toby is taking her around to meet everyone within the office. And Michael just says, you know, I just hate her already. We should haze her. Essentially comes up with, we should sell her an elevator pass. Dwight says, we don't have elevator passes. And Michael's like, I know, good old-fashioned hazing. So then Dwight really takes on hazing Holly with gusto, as we'll see throughout the episode. When Toby brings Holly into Michael's office to introduce Holly to Michael, Michael is just really cold and abrasive at first, but Holly thaws him out, but not before Michael can tell her, my job is to make the office fun, your job is to make the office lame, and we're going to be in this eternal struggle for all of time, and spoiler alert, I will win and the office will be fun. Holly surprises Michael by kind of making a joke at Toby's expense, saying, man, he must have really done a number on you. I can understand that. He gave me a tour of the files and I nearly fell asleep. And so that really puts Michael off guard. And then she just says, you know, I look forward to working with you and sort of leaves him alone. Toby isn't that great of an HR representative and that he's not perceptive or has given up on people's needs I think (laughs) and Holly kind of comes in with a fresh perspective it seems like. Michael is not the only one taking an interest in making Toby's party more than what it actually is and kind of steering it away from what it should be which is saying goodbye to a co-worker. Throughout this episode, we kind of see something stirring within Jim. We see him on the phone with Ryan talking about a very big sale that he has just made. It may be the one from the previous episode. And Ryan is kind of just writing him off. Very dismissive. Yeah, and Ryan's just like, yeah, good job for doing your job, Jim. And just really not being a good manager in this situation, if you will. I know he's not Jim's direct report, but he is certainly somebody that has influence over Jim, Jim's job performance, and his standing within the company. And all Ryan really cares about is that this sale is re-logged into the website. He asked, I think twice, Okay, did you log in the website? Nope. Okay, that's what needs to be done. I really don't care about anything else. Don't interrupt. Just log it in the website, and then he hangs up on Jim. Jim responds later in the episode by calling Ryan, seemingly and leaving a voicemail, and really just laying into him, saying that I don't know what the issue is between us, but you keep trying to push me out of the company, and I'm not having that. I know you think that I don't try or I don't care or whatever, but I do and you're not going to do this to me. Jim stays with that theme of commitment later in this episode after a conversation he has with Michael in which he kind of talks about getting to know Pam just within the office. He talks about all their firsts that they had, like the 
first time that they joked around and the first meal they had together and their first kiss all happened at the office. And so this kind of sparks something inside of him that says the next step in our relationship should happen here because that's where everything else has happened. He goes to Phyllis immediately and says, hey, I want fireworks at Toby's party. And is trying to play it off like, oh, you know, just because it'd be a nice thing to have. Yeah, we want to have a good party. And he gives Phyllis an envelope of money and just says, hey, here, make it happen. Yeah, like seemingly quite a bit of money. And Phyllis is like surprised and happy. She doesn't really question it after that and just uses it to make a pretty big party. Right. And it is after this that we get a one-on-one with the camera and Jim says he is going to propose to Pam at the party. He is going to do it tonight. One thing that strikes me as odd, we know we've seen the ring that he has. He seemingly carries it on his person, which seems a little unsafe, and is just waiting for the right moment. And so, Curtis, I want to ask you, as someone that has proposed, did you, were you just waiting for the right moment, Did you, or did you have a plan, and then did you carry the ring with you all over? <laughs> I did not do that. I wasn't I was I guess I was waiting for the right moment and I didn't know what that moment was I didn't have a plan in that sense and then when the opportunity presented itself I knew it like the story of our engagement is that we were in Vermont at Antoinette's law school And we went on a hike that she used to go on, and it overlooks this valley once you get to the top. And, like, once that was in the plans of our trip, I was like, that's it. That's definitely where it's going to happen. And so, like, I didn't know that that's – I didn't have the thought that, okay, here, when I decided, okay, I'm going to propose – It's like, okay, it's going to be at this spot, definitely. But it just kind of created itself that way. Gotcha. You didn't have something that then you were forcing our plans to fit into. Correct. Correct. So that seems to be the approach that Jim is taking. And he just had this realization. And it's funny because Michael tells him, yeah, you took way too long, kind of chides him. But to be fair, Pam had a fiance prior to when Jim and Pam were getting to know each other, there wasn't a whole lot much more that Jim could have done. And I think him just kind of reviewing these things in his mind is what really prompted him to think that tonight was the night. Like all these moments he's had with Pam and all the opportunities that he's had makes Jim realize that the timing is pretty good. We've already seen him say to Pam that you know he's going to propose they know they both know that they're ready for that step it's hard to say i think we make the assumption that it's been nine to ten months since the start of a season so typically it seems like the seasons of the office follow 
essentially a school year calendar, so sort of a August or September to May. Earlier in the episode, Pam learned that she got into the Pratt School of Design in New York City. So she did follow up from the previous episode on fulfilling her dreams of doing something with art and doing something with graphic design. And much with Jim's support, it seemed like. They were both excited for this step. And Pam says she wouldn't go right now if things weren't so solid with Jim. If they didn't feel good about where their relationship is and where it's at and she says later down the road if they have a family she really couldn't go away for three months and really three months not that terrible Jim says it's just a two-hour drive I mean it's probably more with traffic quite honestly to New York City Um, but this is totally doable so I don't know if perhaps for Jim maybe that's factoring in a little bit in this proposal like he'd like to be engaged before she enrolls and goes away to New York or if it's like nope that's fine I mean again we've kind of talked about this before we suspect that maybe they're trending now towards their late 20s um kind of a typical time that people think about or get married Jim and Pam's relationship is not the only one that we see developing in this episode as we alluded to before Michael starts off hating Holly simply because she is an HR rep. And all it takes is one pretty minor joke to kind of turn that on its head. And Michael finds himself falling for Holly real, real fast. After he officially meets Holly in his office with Toby, he finds himself trying to, you know, find ways to make a conversation with her. When Holly is being introduced to the accounting department, Michael comes over and just kind of inserts himself into the conversation and very weirdly asks, how long is Holly's commute? You know, how long does it take to get to the office? And before she can even answer... Michael's like, I can make you a mix, mixed CD. And Holly's just kind of like, uh, yeah, sure, that, that'd be great. So we see Michael in his office listening to songs to put on this mixed CD. And he calls Jim into the office to get some advice. First, about songs that work on two levels, which is Welcome to Scranton and I Love You. This is when Jim really cautions Michael to slow it down. And this is when he's recounting how he really got to know Pam just by their interactions in the office. And this is really the conversation that prompts Jim to realize he's going to propose. But he's really telling Michael that you have the opportunity to get to know this woman without going 100 miles per hour all in on the very first day you've ever met her you don't he's essentially telling michael you don't love her yet you have affection for her and and michael says no it was when i heard her voice like it was love at first see with my ears but michael does end up heeding jim's advice and he does look for opportunities to get to know holly 
he goes back to the annex to her desk and finds her sitting on the floor trying to put together the office chair. She had tried to make some adjustments and then things stopped working. Typical office chair type thing. And so he sits down and they're able to connect on this level. Like Michael is into comedy and running gags and stand up. And Holly has some of that in her. She is willing to entertain his jokes. And then she jokes back. Michael does a Yoda impression. Holly does that back. And they really don't have any direction to the conversation. It's still a little like stilted and awkward. But, and then Michael's going to ask her what she's doing this weekend and then pumps the brakes remembering what Jim said and was like, oh, well, I'm not even in town this weekend. I would like to point out that this is Michael at his best when he isn't trying so hard to impress people and to be the center of attention and to be the guy that's making everybody laugh or have a good time or feel welcomed or whatever. When he is just able to be himself it comes with really good results. There is an episode in season six where this is really put on display, like the dichotomy of Michael just being himself and Michael trying entirely too hard. Before the start of the party, Toby must have his exit interview with Michael, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Toby would not be having his exit interview with the manager of that branch because that is not toby's boss he would be having the exit interview with whomever is over him in hr that works at corporate i would assume right michael again says that he has been looking forward to this day for so long and that is all kind of ruined when holly joins the exit interview as it is part of her job Michael can't be a jerk to Toby as he was planning on doing because that would look bad in front of Holly. And that's the opposite of what he wants to do right now, obviously. And so he is completely thrown off of his game. For somebody that prides himself on being into improv, he is really bad at improv. He's not able to come up with anything that would make this a pleasant, good-hearted, goodbye experience. Clearly, Michael had assumed it was just going to be him and Toby. How that is a solid exit interview, who knows? Clearly, Michael thought that the exit interview was only going to be Toby and himself. He does start out by saying to Toby, of all the idiots and all the idiot villages and all the idiot world, you stand alone, my friend. So he's really setting the tone right off the top. When Holly and Pam join, Pam is there to take notes, Michael has questions written out on an index card, and he does start out with those questions, and he's sort of trying to rephrase it because he's really, like, starting out with questions like, who do you think you are? And where do you get off? And things like that that really don't have any answers. It's just needling Toby needlessly. This is an odd part because 
Michael makes it seem like he's had these cards waiting just for this specific moment with Toby. But these seem very much like his situational questions for somebody who quits. Because in this situation, he's happy to see Toby go. I think he means just over... He just doesn't like Toby. Well, what how I'm reading the situation is if somebody were to quit and not in the way that we have seen other people quit where they literally just leave because they can't stand Michael anymore. But like, hey, got an offer at so-and-so. Here's my two weeks. I'm leaving on this date. Michael obviously is going to be offended by those by somebody wanting to leave the fun atmosphere of Dunder Mifflin. So it's like, uh, who do you think you are to leave this place? I guess I could see that. Yeah. Holly jumps in and was like, I have the binder. Let's just ask these questions. The first question is, what would you change about Dunder Mifflin? Michael asks it and then covers his face and really essentially threatens Toby, like, don't even say anything to Holly because Holly says she's interested in that answer. To end off the exit interview, Toby opens his gift from Michael, and it is a rock with a note rubber band to it that says, suck on this. And everyone is rightfully horrified. Michael tries to play it off that he had so many gifts in his car, he had no idea what he was grabbing. And Pam ends up suggesting that Michael meant to give Toby his watch, which he does hand over. It is at this moment that there is a commotion in the greater office area. Everyone is gathered around Jim's computer and they are looking at a YouTube video and it is a video of Ryan being let out of the corporate office in handcuffs. As Oscar explains in a one-on-one and from what we have seen for several episodes, Ryan got busted because... He was having people record sales as online sales that they had made on the phone. And Oscar points out that this is misleading investors, also known as fraud. Jim takes this opportunity to have Pam call up Ryan for him and tells Ryan in a voicemail, hey, ignore my prior voicemail. It seems like you got your hands tied. Good luck. Really good excited it seems like that ryan is getting his comeuppance for this weird insistence on the website and how people didn't register that who knows probably the salesmen were just being told you know you need to log it twice like ryan had said it gives legitimacy to the website but they probably didn't realize he was taking it to you know, investor calls or board meetings or whatever and saying, look at all these sales and presenting it as double the sales. Michael is overly upset because of Ryan's arrest and he's in his office, like near tears. Holly and Toby are watching him and Holly asks Toby, you know, what's the protocol for something like this? And Toby says, I don't know, I typically just leave him alone. 
Holly doesn't take that tact. She goes in to comfort Michael, who's like, I'm just so worried about my friend. And so this is another instance of us seeing kind of the developing relationship between Holly and Michael. And that continues at Toby's party. The influx of cash that she received from Jim and Michael has really paid off because they have a full carnival, essentially, in the parking lot. There is a bounce house. There is a Ferris wheel. Daryl's band is playing. A lot going on here. Michael and Holly kind of chat throughout the entire party. And at one point, Holly sees something going on with her car. Meredith is breaking into Holly's car so that Dwight and Mose can put a raccoon in it. They're not very slick about it since they're doing it in front of everyone. Michael and Holly see this. Holly comes over and is obviously very distraught. Michael yells at Dwight in front of everyone and just says that Holly is the best thing that's happened to this company since World War II. So for 50 years, nothing good has happened until she came and they need to get rid of the raccoon. Which weirdly implies that World War II was a good thing that happened to the the company. Yeah, probably increased paper production or something. The other thing we get when people walk out for the start of the party is Pam seeing the fireworks set up. She kind of gets this feeling thinking, oh my God, Jim could propose tonight. So she's talking to the camera thinking that this could be the moment. As the party goes on, Phyllis has to send Kevin to the store to get some more barbecue sauce. Michael then performs a song parody of Goodbye Strangers, which I don't know that song in its original form he performs it as goodbye toby and really gets into it michael prides himself on being an an accomplished song parody writer which we did see some of that in the season two episode the dundies kevin's foray to the grocery store prompts a revelation that he calls michael for and says that michael needs to get to the grocery store immediately When Michael gets there, he sees Kevin walking out, talking to Jan. And Michael's kind of annoyed at first, like, this is why you called me. And Kevin walks away and says that they probably have a lot to catch up on. It is at this moment that we see Jan in full. And Jan is pregnant. And Michael is obviously very confused by this. But he mostly gets very excited. He has done the quick math and says that this obviously happened while they were dating. And since they were together at that time, he assumes he is the father. And then he gets Maury Poviched and is told that he is not the father. And Jan tells him that she went to a sperm bank while they were dating. And this really hurts Michael, obviously. Because he says to her that they were very, very careful about not getting pregnant while they were dating. And then she just went off to have a baby without him, essentially. And Jan says in a one-on-one that if she was younger, maybe she would have been given Michael a shot. But since she's not, there's no way she could take that risk. But she still kind of tries to include Michael in this 
process. Yeah, she says she's relieved that she finally was able to tell Michael two things. One, realistically, if she was preparing for this while they were still together, particularly living together, there would be absolutely no way Michael would not have known that. And the second thing for me, it's odd to me that Jan stuck around Scranton, given that her only connection to it was she formally managed that branch and she formally dated Michael. That's a good point. Um, I'm just a little surprised she would stick around, um, particularly since she was trying to have a child. It sounds like she also used a sperm bank not in Scranton. Uh, Realistically, of a city of that size, there's probably not its own sperm bank. And Michael is now conflicted. He doesn't have feelings for Jan. And right before he left the party to go to the grocery store, he and Holly shared this moment together. She was so gracious for how he welcomed her to Dunder Mifflin and just put her hand on his arm. And that just sent Michael over the moon because as he said to the camera, Jan didn't believe in affection. He just doesn't know how to respond when a woman touches him. And so that reminds us of how unhealthy the relationship between Michael and Jan was, particularly towards the end, but really at all points of their relationship. Yeah, this is a very tough spot for Michael because I do think that there was a common realization between he and Holly that they like each other. They've they've had this immediate connection and it gets interrupted by the past and it's not even just oh my ex showed up and she said that she still has feelings for me. Like Michael could have written that off pretty quickly, but there is now a child involved here and Jan maybe playing on Michael's emotions and knowing what Michael wants in his life tries to include him in this situation despite the fact that he has and this is pointed out in jest next season zero connection to this child whatsoever yeah it's pretty awful that Jan is doing this we know because Michael has been adamant over the course of four seasons pretty much that He really wants to have children. He really wants to settle down and have a family. Jan knew that, didn't want that with Michael. Went ahead and did that herself and now is like, okay, well now he knows I'll just use him for support. Now I don't have to use a noodle, you know, for my class. Michael goes back to the party. He's still just really unsure. You can tell he's having these conflicted emotions. Holly seeks him out and is hinting that, you know, she's still hungry. She'd she'd like to have kind of a nightcap with dessert. Michael doesn't take the bait, which we know he would have had he not gone to that grocery store. Kevin was like, I like dessert, and kind of gets himself invited out with Holly. Michael goes into the office. We see him on the phone, and he leaves a message for Jan saying that, I'd love to come with you to your Lamaze class. And then he tells the camera, I'm going to be kind of a dad. So his desire to be a parent is pushing away his better judgment because he's going to have to be involved with Jan in order to do so. And it's literally going to be at Jan's discretion. 
So as the party is winding down, they are shooting off the fireworks and everybody is really enjoying them. Except for Toby, by the way, who's just like, whatever, which is exactly how Curtis and I feel about fireworks. Yeah, if you've seen... If you see one fireworks show, you've pretty much seen them all. Agree. Uh, and so, and especially in this case, when they are, they're like roadside. They're not like bottle rockets, but they are, you don't need a permit to get these fireworks. Right, we assume they're like on the ground fireworks. Yeah. And so it is creating this moment that Jim hoped it would. And he is sitting there with Pam and they're both enjoying things. And Jim reaches into his pocket and pulls out the ring. And just as he is about to turn to Pam and ask her to marry him, Andy hops on the mic and steals the moment. Andy says he just got carried away with the fireworks and he invited his parents to come out. And he asks Angela to join him on stage. She says no. So he goes to Angela. He asks her for her tiny hand in marriage. Angela's response is a terse okay. Andy asks her to repeat it into the microphone. And again, she just says, I said okay. Dwight is absolutely horrified. I think most people are horrified and shocked uh, by this whole moment. Andy tells the camera that he has been carrying a ring around for six years in his wallet because you just never know when you're going to meet the right girl or it's going to be the right moment, which says a lot about Andy's sort of romantic rose-colored glass view that's maybe uh, hiding some red flags in his relationship with Angela. Disappointedly, Jim puts the ring back in his pocket. He's not going to propose right after Andy does pretty much a public proposal. Jim and Pam were sitting off from everyone. I don't think it was going to be public unless people had turned around. Speaking of engagements, I would like to point out that I asked Curtis to marry me many times. Many times I proposed to Curtis. I even had one of my own rings. I would get down on one knee. He never took me up on it. So I just want to point out that I wasn't just waiting around for Curtis, and I firmly believe that anyone can propose, but Curtis said he wanted to be the one to do it, and that's why he never accepted my marriage proposals. Because of the patriarchy. (laughs) Yes. This is very weird to me. I just thought of this. Andy and Angela? No, Jim. Jim's reaction, essentially, because we see that time goes by before he does actually propose and he just wants it to be this grandiose thing that he's waiting he's waiting for that right moment then create that moment yes that sort of speaks to how jim conducts his life sometimes like not seizing things for himself we there are there is a shift i mean last season where he walks in the ass pam out and this season when he's taking more of a stronger approach to his job Pam is very disappointed and it's hard not to be you know when you think that something's happening I mean Jim was literally turning to her as Andy got on the mic so she probably had some sense of it so kind of a letdown for everybody 
the episode ends with Phyllis in the elevator carrying up some things from the party that she's probably just going to put back in the office. And it seems like everyone has gone. And I'd also like to point out another instance in which people have definitely stayed longer than the five o'clock window because of the carnival. It's probably fun. You know, there's a Ferris wheel, there's food, there's a band. Yeah. Why not kind of stick around? So Phyllis is probably cleaning up. She's telling the camera, you know, party planning such a high, kind of like a runner's high, because everyone enjoyed it. Michael pointed out, like, this is the best party they probably ever had. Even though Angela tried to sabotage Phyllis throughout the day, Phyllis pulled it off. When she goes into the office, she finds that it's dark. She opens the door and hears some noise, and it turns out that Dwight and Angela are banging in the accounting department. And then it goes to credits. So quite the cliffhanger for the end of this season. Yes. In a, in a pretty full episode. Yes, very much so. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. The episode was written by, or co-written by Paul Lieberstein with one of the producers. So after all the filming, they had 72 minutes of film that they could use that they had to cut down to 40 because it's an hour-long episode but you have all the commercials so daryl's band played at the party and that was actually the real members of craig robinson's band like that was the real band this episode was nominated for an emmy for directing in comedy and also i'd like to point out that andy's parents they're briefly shown on screen as being there for the proposal and but they changed just like the actor that played Pam's mom not the same actor they get in subsequent seasons to fulfill that role Curtis so it's the end of the season we'll do a check-in with firings but who gets fired for this episode specifically in this episode we lose Ryan obviously right uh, it's his first firing this season it's his second overall we lose Michael just for his general treatment of Toby throughout this episode. Right. Pretty much the gift for the exit interview sealed that for Michael. Yeah. It's his 11th firing this season. It's his 37th overall. I'd like to point out there was only 14 episodes this season. So Michael did not get fired in three of them. And one of those is because it didn't take place in the office. Yeah. Meredith gets fired for breaking into Holly's car. It's her second firing this season. It's her fifth overall. Dwight gets fired for his role in that, plus for banging it out in the office. (laughs) It's his fifth firing this season. It's his 11th overall. And Angela also gets fired for banging it out in the office. It is her first firing this season. It's her fourth overall. So we didn't lose Daryl at any point, and now we add Holly. Right. So we technically have two people still hanging on. In terms of who we lost this season, and uh, just imagine Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember (laughs) You playing over this list. We lost Michael, Jim, Pam, Angela, Dwight, Kevin, Meredith, Stanley, Ryan, and Andy. And we technically lose Karen, who we saw at the very beginning of this season, 
leaving the office. She doesn't get fired, but for the sake of this show, she is no longer working in the office. And same goes for Toby. Technically not fired, but no longer working in the office. Quick math that I did. Michael, as we said, got fired 11 times this season. That is only six less than everybody else combined for the season. (laughs) What is your Dundee Award? I have two. Um, My first goes to Michael, and it's the You're No Weird Al Award for his song parodies. We heard this one here, and he, he mentions two other ones, which is Total Eclipse of the Fart and Beers in Heaven. We also heard a similar parody earlier this season where it is Dwight and Michael at the gravesite of the chair model where they do a parody of American Pie. And that parody plus this one kind of shows probably what Michael's song writing process is, which is I'm going to keep probably about 90% of the lyrics to the song and I'm going to change the other 10% to apply to this situation. Yeah. So like you said earlier, you have never heard the song Goodbye Stranger or you're not familiar with it. You heard it. Right. It, it's, it's that. The, the first three verses, I believe, that Michael sings are word for word what they are in the song. And then it's instead of goodbye stranger, obviously, Michael just changes it to goodbye Toby and then goes through with the rest of the song as written. My other Dundee is the Problematic Storyline Award. That goes to the writers of this episode for the storyline that happens between Holly and Kevin. Yeah. As part of Dwight's hazing, Dwight tells Holly that Kevin is part of a special program and he's a little slow. And so Holly treats him as such and is very demeaning to all parties involved, Mm -hmm. really. I feel like this is kind of the point in the series where the writers decide, hey, Kevin's really dumb. You know what would be funny? If we just made him even dumber. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Like, they really have Kevin play up these aspects that yes. Holly could then interpret, given the information from Dwight that Kevin is mentally disabled. And it's it's just a it's just a time capsule thing. Like, unfortunately, in the early two thousands, it was still acceptable for comedic effect to make fun of mentally disabled people in this, like just to make light of it. And I'm sure programs like that exist, but they are, you know, meant to accomplish something and not sort of be like a hazing thing. So yeah, it is a really unfortunate aspect. It does thankfully get resolved very quickly early next season, but it's a tough watch. What is your Dundee? I also have two. It was just a long episode. One is the Pettiness Award. I'm pretty sure I've given it out before. Goes to the same person. Goes to Angela. Angela fancies herself as literally the only person that can plan a party. 
when Phyllis takes over, Angela does absolutely nothing to help her. She purposely shreds her party vendors so that Phyllis can't use them. And then she gets extremely angry and resentful at the fact that Phyllis succeeds in putting on a good party, a party that probably Angela could not or would not have done. And I also get the impression that Phyllis had some help from Bob Vance, which no shame in that because Angela and Pam weren't helping her out. And so it, for having one day, maybe half a day to do this, somehow she put on a carnival, which is pretty impressive. My other Dundee is just time capsule moments. For instance, Michael deciding to make a mixtape CD, which is a very 2000s way of expressing the fact that you have a crush on someone. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll make him some songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Toby wants a photo of him and Pam because Pam gives him a picture of everyone in the office for him to take to Costa Rica. Toby remarks that Pam is not in it. And he'd like a photo of him and her. And she's like, okay, well, do you have a camera? And he's like, no. And then he turns around to ask, like, does anyone have a camera? And it's just funny because I think this is probably 2007, 2008. So if you had a camera on your phone, it was a BlackBerry or a Razor. And it was a really poor quality I'll just take something because it's funny. We know that technology exists because we saw Michael take a picture of Dwight making out with that basketball player in New York and then sending it to everyone. So we know that there are camera phones at this point. But that's not how people are taking nice photos. Right. But like you said, yes, that would be very grainy. And the process in which to get that onto your computer and then print it out is probably very extensive. Yeah, and it's funny there are memes or you know, whatever on the internet where it's like, remember in the 2000s when you had to carry your camera, your cell phone, and your iPod everywhere, which is so true. I mean, I took my actual camera with me, my digital camera with me to parties to like take pictures. Now, like I sound like I'm 80. We're like, oh, back in my day. Yeah, that was literally... you. You had to do that literally 15 years ago. Right. Yeah. Who was your employee of the month? I chose Holly because she really came in and seems like she's going to be a better HR rep than Toby. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Phyllis for throwing a pretty good party and really kind of doing that in Angela's face. Mm -hmm. Granted, she probably had a, a little more financial help than Angela generally does. Right. But she, you know, like you said, in half of a day puts together a very good carnival. And at one point towards the end of the night, Angela says to Phyllis, I hope you enjoyed this because it's never happening again. And we know that that is not true because of what Phyllis sees at the end of this episode She now holds that over Angela's head and secures her place as the head of the party planning committee. Yes. So like you said, that is the end of season four. I feel like this is probably the best end of a season so far. We get a lot of setup for next season in this episode. A a lot of stuff that's going to carry on. 
Yeah. I've generally liked the season finales um, so far. I think they've been really good. This one, like we said, is jam-packed, and that's just the nature of season four and the production schedule they had to work with after the strike in general. I will say that I noticed, especially in the past couple episodes, like Meredith, Creed, Oscar, some of the minor characters just don't get a lot of lines or a lot of camera time. There's just not time for it, especially in an episode like this that was very heavy on Michael's relationship with Holly and with Pam and Jim's relationship. Right. And I, I'm saying this as somebody that has, has seen the next episode, but a lot of the premiere episodes of the next season have been more of a reset in yeah. terms of at the end of season two, Jim professes his love for Pam. She rebuffs him. And then the next episode, we see Jim and Stanford. Yes. At the end of season three, Jim asks Pam out on a date. The next episode, they've been dating for weeks. Right. The next episode is really a continuation of this episode. Where there's a lot of, okay, what's going on? And it isn't just a fast forward to, you know, a couple weeks these things have been resolved and here's where we're at. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. There is no resolution to Michael learning that Jan is pregnant. There is no resolution to Jim missing his opportunity to propose. Those things happen. We see these things happen next season. Right. So that does it for this week's episode and this season. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And continue listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, like, comment, wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening to us. And we will see you next season. Bye. Bye.